feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Control and things are getting more and more vicious. And there are so many layers to what's happening in crime these days. And particularly, I think about the fact that there have just been so many cases of late, so many of these random cases, whether it's on a New York subway or whether you're walking down the street in L.A. There was a guy with uh, shears who just suddenly attacked somebody who was walking down the street in Los Angeles And now, case in point, this horrible story that comes from Washington, D.C. And this is just a horrible case of how bad things have really, really gotten, where people are afraid to help. Remember the case also, by the way, in Queens, where the woman who was beaten to a pulp, we saw the videotape of her just getting beaten, remember? when she got off the subway and had ignored the guy on the Queens subway. And then suddenly... The guy came over and started beating her up, and there was another guy who tried to intervene, and then he started chasing him, and the guy ran away. Are we at a point now where people are just trying to keep their head low and are even not necessarily wanting to help because they're afraid because people are so loony kazoony out there? Things have gotten so bad, and we're going to talk about one of the most horrible cases tonight because it will remind you so much, sadly, Not to the degree, but a lot of people are comparing it to what happened with Kitty Genovese. That, of course, was that horrible murder that took place in Queens in 1964. It's one of, of course, one of the most famous ones where in the early morning hours, she was a 28-year-old bartender. She was raped and stabbed outside the apartment building where she lived in Kew Gardens. And 38 bystanders watched or heard the attack occur, but instead... They relied on other people to basically call the police. Their stories that they like turned up the radio and did a whole bunch of things, closed the windows. That was a horrible, horrible case. And we can't get to the point where we're numb, where we don't want to react even to serious crimes, where we don't want to call 911 or we're afraid to like stop it. I mean, at this, are we at this point where we have just seen so much crime and it's so vicious that we're either numb to it? Or we're afraid to intervene. I do think there's a case now because even police officers are being attacked left and right. And maybe it's at the point where people are afraid because even officers are being like beaten haphazardly by these criminals, these thugs that are out there on the streets. And so maybe the average citizen is worried about maybe intervening if they feel like even the police officers can control these thugs. Why is this happening and why are these crimes just getting worse and worse and more frequent? And why are the criminals getting more and more brazen? What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Are you concerned about intervening? If you saw a crime right in front of you, would you be scared to basically jump in? And try to stop what could be happening right in front of your eyes. Or are we just seeing so much of it that it's just like you become sort of so used to it, sadly? I mean, so many of the streets of America, these things are happening time and time again. And 
this latest case is really disturbing to me. It's a 42-year-old woman. She's in Washington, D.C., and she is taking a bus. Um, and suddenly there was a group of teens that were apparently swearing all over the place and kind of, you know, using some vulgar language. And she said to them, she's a Christian, and she said, you know, God, I would really love if you guys could just kind of tone down your language, you know, and, you know, please don't kind of talk like that, you know, in front of all of us on the bus. The next thing she knows, they start beating up on her, the teens. The video is so horrible to watch. And you see this lovely 42-year-old woman who's on the bus, and suddenly this group of teenagers is just pounding her and punching her and beating her. And nobody on the bus is intervening. That is one of the most heartbreaking things, to see the fact that nobody is actually stepping in and nobody is saying, please stop it. The bus driver, she's screaming and saying, you know, could you please open the door? I got to get off the bus. I got to get away from these people. The bus driver isn't stopping. He's not opening the door and he's not calling the police. And most of these buses reportedly actually have like sort of an emergency button that you can essentially get a hold of the police right away. It's sort of like an emergency 911 button. And apparently that wasn't pushed. So what kind of a bus driver keeps driving when an innocent bystander, this innocent woman who's just riding the bus, suddenly gets attacked by a group of thugs? He doesn't call 911. He doesn't stop. He doesn't try to break up these teens. And no, does anybody else on the bus? They're filming it. Who is filming this as opposed to trying to save this woman? I mean, what is going on in society these days that we're at this point that so many layers of this is like a breakdown of society? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What has gone wrong that people are now just so reluctant to get involved they're afraid to speak up they're afraid to speak out and a bus driver what kind of training does a bus driver get that he thinks that it's okay to essentially allow this woman to just get beaten and he's just going to kind of continue on his route so take a listen first off to the woman this is this innocent victim 42 year old kyla thurston describing what happened to her during this brutal attack in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Take a listen. What do you remember? Well, how did it all start? I got on the bus, and um, there was a young lady that got on with some smaller children. I got up to give her the seat, and after that, the kids were cursing. So I was just like, you know, can you all stop the foul language? And at that point, the kids became unruly. They started being disrespectful, like saying things to me. Then next thing you know, there was things, objects being thrown at me. And I was just like, thank you, Lord, because throughout the whole incident, only thing I could recall was the kids hitting me and kicking me, and I had no defense. Right. So, right, in the video, you're saying, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. You're, you're saying that to protect yourself right. mentally. Right. And she said, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, she is praying, praying, praying. And now here's another layer where she describes, here's a crowded bus. It's daytime, by the way. This is not like two in the morning or anything like this. This is a crowded bus in Washington, D.C. And she describes basically what everybody else on the bus 
was not doing, including the bus driver. Take a listen. I think that bus should have came to a stop. That bus driver should have alerted local authorities or at least made sure that I was okay. It was where as though it was not to allow and ne- neglect on every part on behalf of Metro. And I'm sorry to say that, but he made no attempts to even assist me, let alone get the attention from local authorities to make sure that I was all right. And then after I was thrown off the bus, it wasn't like he, you know, got out or said, well, let me call the ambulance or the police or anything. I could have been unconscious at that point. Right. And also the fact that no other adults on the bus came to your aid. They probably was in fear for themselves because of the amount of children that it was. They probably were scared. So you understand that? To a certain degree, yeah. But, I mean, granted, like I said, I serve a great God. So, you know, I walked out with not too many entries. But at the end of the day, you know, I wouldn't have wanted, if there was me, I wouldn't have wanted to step in because then they might have assaulted that person. How scary is that? I wouldn't have wanted to intervene because they might have assaulted that person, that people are just way too scared to even get involved. How do we get to that point? How did we get to the point that they would allow this lovely woman, a 42-year-old woman, you know, look a Christian woman, you just see her, she looks like a very sweet woman, and suddenly, you know, you got a group of teenage kids who are just pounding her and hitting her with bottles and hands and feet and kicking and that you just keep driving the bus like, what, it's a typical day? I guess, maybe, what, was the bus driver so scared? I mean, have we gotten to a point where society is just so lawless that nobody wants to speak up? Somebody's happy to film it, but nobody speaks up. Nobody says something. Nobody bangs the door and says, hey, stop the bus, stop the bus, stop the bus. Maybe what about all the people together kind of banding together and trying to stop? Would you have stopped if you were there? Would you have intervened with four or five young thugs beating up on this woman? I mean, this is she's lucky she's alive. Think about that. She apparently at the end of the day, her wounds are not serious. But can you imagine what if she like lost an eye? What if she died? You know, I mean, this is unbelievable. And to me, it just epitomizes the sad Sad situation we're in, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here's a little bit more of that woman who was just suddenly beaten just for telling the young kids, please try to watch your mouth a little bit. I'm a Christian woman. Oh, you're a Christian woman? We're going to beat the heck out of you. Take a listen to what she's described. And that's part of the reason that made me speak out, because... This is untolerated, you know. It's like, you know, you got kids going to school, but the parents should be held responsible for actions like this. Like I said, I didn't want to come forth, but watching the video myself personally, it kind of like, it startled me, and I'm still startled about it. How sad is that? And she is lucky to be alive. No thanks to anybody else on the bus, and no thanks certainly to the bus driver. Nobody called 911. So she reported it afterwards after she regained consciousness. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom on line five. Dom, your thoughts about this. This is such a heartbreaking case on just so many levels. Yeah, Rita, it's kind of personal to me. When I was 15 years old, many, many decades ago, you know, I intervened in a fight, uh, you know, in in a you know, group beating this out of this country when uh, a lot of guys were beating up on a guy who was a pickpocket. This little kid, 11 years old, I said, 
you know, let the police take care of it. Don't beat him up. And the crowd turned on me, and they started kicking me. Unfortunately, a lot of adults in the in the area said, hey, you guys break it up, otherwise we're going to beat you to death. So and I was rescued by a group of adults. But unfortunately, we I think we had something called the Good Samaritan Law in Minnesota. I don't know if we have it in D.C. or not. But there's not too many Good Samaritans left. That's the problem with society. Because they are seeing all of these politicians getting away with being hoodlums. Why the hell should I bother? I mean, people in power are doing this anyway. Why should I care? So they're not setting good examples. That's the problem we have in society. Let me ask you, Dom, too, because you were just talking about um, what happened to you. Do you regret yeah. that you tried to help? Or you, if I you had to do it again, would you do it again? I regret the beating, but I don't regret that I got in because I, at that time, I didn't like it because I was scared. You know, it's, it's a, I don't want to use the word, but I was really scared. Uh, but I just said, you know, he's a kid. Leave him alone. I, something something in my instinct took over and say, you know what? That's not fair. I know he's, he's, this guy, this kid, because a lot of poor people in, in around my community, and you know, he, he pickpocketed he a couple of bucks. But I said, you know, don't don't beat him to death. So the anger was so intense of these guys. I just couldn't stand and and watch it. That was that's. I just reacted. I wasn't even thinking. And then I when I when the crowd turned on me, I got so scared. But I was fortunate enough. A whole bunch of adults were there. So hey, you guys break it up. Well, thank God. Thank good. Now let me ask you, Dom. If you were on the bus, what would you have done if this was happening right in front of you with this lovely woman just you know speaking to them? What would you have done? at this point in my life, I would definitely have intervened. No, I don't care if I got hurt. I would have, you know, given them, a, a, you know, a rough time. Unfortunately, I saw the video, and I guess, you know, I, I just could not understand the bus driver not doing the due diligence, what he's supposed to do, stop the bus. You know, I'm, and I cannot understand people sitting there and, and watching. And I, I kind of, I kind of, you know, sympathize with them. In, uh, no, I'm sorry, that's a bad word. I kind of understand why they were doing it. But, hey, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to be hauled into court because I tried to help. That's the problem because a lot of people, is, and right now in society, just we just don't know. I mean, you, even the cops are being told not to take action. So why would I care? Well, so, that and, and the people are just so crazy. I feel like when we've gotten to this point in society, Dom, where lawlessness yep. has become mm-hmm. the norm and we're going after law enforcement has become the norm. I mean, that's what's so scary to me is like there also this comes on the heels of like just a few days ago. There were a whole bunch of people attacking um, law enforcement at a gas station. They were throwing yep. bottles at them. This was in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, it's this disrespect for law enforcement. We saw it in the summer of 2020 when they were doing all that. We saw all those instances. And I think once people have sort of crossed the line, or I should say society has crossed the line, where attacking a police officer is no longer like, you know, the the, the worst thing in the world you could do. I think it is, obviously. I think you've got to respect everybody, including law enforcement especially. Um, but the fact 
that that's been allowed and it's almost like in in you know in, the, in sort of hoodlum circles if you will in thug circles it's almost like a badge of honor almost you know going over and taunting a police officer and running away or whatever the case is it's become so frequent and the police feel like they can't respond because just like you said they're afraid to get called into internal affairs or that they responded with too much force even if they got beaten you know there's just i think once we've crossed this line where like anything goes I also think my first thought was the bus driver was probably thinking, gosh, I want to be alive. I got a family. I feel bad for the woman, but, you know, what am I going to do? I mean, what he should have done is stop the bus. You know what I mean? He should have just stopped the bus. First of all, he should have hit that 911 button. I don't know if it works. It's supposed to work, and especially all the D.C. buses, a lot of them have it. But I think the lines have become so blurred, and that is such a sad state of affairs. Dom, thank you, and I'm glad that you were okay, and I'm glad that uh, you stood up for someone when you were in your teens, and you would do it now, my friend. You are a good, good man. We're going to continue with your calls, 1-800-848-9222, and you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking of the case of this woman who was getting beaten by a group of thugs. And she's a lovely Christian woman. She said, you know, I pray for the kids even after getting beaten. She said she blames the parents more than the kids because clearly they didn't have a good upbringing. That's awfully nice of her. You know, my goodness. Boy, what a lovely soul. And yet she was getting beaten over and over again, and the bus driver wouldn't stop. He didn't call 911, didn't do anything, nor did anybody else on the bus. And here is Washington, D.C.'s mayor, Mariel Bowser, being asked about this horrible case. Now the video has gone viral. I imagine it's traumatizing and it shouldn't happen. Uh, and that is not the any type of crime that we want to see in our city at any time. Ah, uh, you think? It says a lot about where we are now. Wow. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Shelly, line six. Uh, Shelly, your thoughts about what happened on the bus? Yeah. Well, I had a situation on a bus when I was 14 years old. I was uh, in junior high school. I was taking a bus to an appointment, and uh, my friend was coming with me to accompany me. And we were roughed up on the bus by a group of students from the school, okay, that came on, and uh, not one person, and there were plenty of adults on the bus. They just looked and shook their head and felt, and they gave us like a sad look in their eye, but they did not help us. When it was time to get off the bus, I they some of them, not all of them, there was about five Males and one female. I think the female and one other male came off the bus with us and were chasing us. Uh, and a woman who was walking in the street stopped them. And she broke it up. Oh, my God. Where were the guys? Were there guys on the bus real quick, Shelly, that could have there, stopped it? I, you know, I really don't remember. I would say because it was when school was let out, I would think it was mainly women and students, and, and the bus driver. I don't see many men on the bus. Wow. But there were women oh. on the bus, and they wouldn't say any. but there was a woman that's that in the street close to where my uh, appointment was 
that stopped them. Wow. She, oh, industry, my goodness. Shelly, nobody we... on the bus. And, you know, that's, an, that, that's a situation that I will never forget. I'm 68 years old now. I will never forget that incident. I will never forget that day. Wow. Shelly, well, thank goodness you are okay. And thank goodness there was a courageous woman who stood up. Wow, 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 wow. Shelly, thank you so much. We're going to continue your calls after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great law enforcement and also their families. A really powerful story uh, to talk about from Bristol, Connecticut, where now more than $300,000 has been raised for two Bristol, Connecticut police officers uh, killed last week while responding to a 911 call regarding a domestic disturbance. They were ambushed, and two brothers said that they were having an argument. It turned out uh, when law enforcement arrived on the scene, one of the brothers came out and opened fire on the officers, killing two of them and also injuring another one. Um, the money that has been raised will go to help the families of Sergeant Bristol Sergeant Dustin DeMonte and Officer Alex Hamsey, DeMonte's wife, is expecting their third child. Funeral services, by the way, for the officers also will be held later this week. And what a powerful, uh, powerful testament that the community has come together to support these incredible families. And also uh, one of the officers who had a mortgage, Tunnels to Towers Foundation, has covered uh, the mortgage for that home. Uh, they do so much for so many families across this country. Bravo to the Tunnels to Towers Foundation, led by the great Frank Siller and his team there, uh, helping support these officers and families across the country. Always, always, always. Well, we are talking about the fact that police were not called in what has been described as just one of the most uh Troubling cases, I would say, of crime of late. And we're talking about the case of a 42-year-old woman who, in broad daylight in Washington, D.C., she gets on a city bus and tells some teens to stop using foul language. She's a Christian, and she just said, you know, I would appreciate if you guys just don't start swearing, if you could sort of tone your language down a little bit. Well, they all turned on her, suddenly started throwing things at her kicking her, punching her. They threw her to the ground. Then they threw, it looks like a bottle or something like that on her. She was saying, please stop, please stop. They kept kicking and punching her repeatedly. And that is horrible, obviously. And then add insult to injury, the bus driver doesn't stop. She's basically saying, please stop, please call 911. Nobody calls 911 on the bus, she says. The the, uh, bus stop. A bus driver doesn't do anything. She says the bus driver just kept on going. This, to me, is such a scary, frightening case for so many things. First off, have we gotten to the point in society where if somebody says, hey, you know, could you just kind of tone down the language, that you suddenly get beat up and you're a 42-year-old woman in broad daylight, suddenly a group of young thugs thinks that that's the appropriate response because someone just in a nice way says, hey, please don't use foul language, that you think you have the right to beat up somebody? I mean, boy, think about 
how many issues are going on that they feel emboldened to do that. And then the fact that the bus driver doesn't apparently stop, doesn't call 911, just keeps going, doesn't say anything. I mean, what is wrong with this bus driver? What kind of training does he or she have and obviously needs a lot more? And what kind of moral conscience does he or she have? And then the other question is, what about all the other people on the bus? It's broad daylight. There are a lot of people on the bus. There were people filming it. The video has gone viral. And yet she claims that nobody came to help her. This is such a horrible case of how just degraded society has become, how troubling crime has become, how criminals just feel so emboldened that all the lines have been blurred. They are so emboldened they can go kick and punch some woman in the middle of the day who is nice to them and just makes one comment to them. And everybody else is still afraid of these people because they don't know what's going to happen to them. Are they numb to it? Or are they so worried, so scared to death? What is the case? And also, the bus driver, is he or she just so scared that he's going to lose his life or she's going to lose her life that she doesn't say anything or she thinks that that's appropriate? Is that a typical day on a bus in D.C.? God help us. I hope not. But, boy, it just shows how bad things have gotten, that thugs feel emboldened to go after police without repercussion, and they feel that they can go kick some woman in the middle of the day on a crowded bus, and nobody stops and nobody calls 911. We are in such a sad state of affairs. And to me, this is so troubling. we got to turn this around. I mean, how, we've just lost all control if we are at a place like this where so many layers broke down and that people feel afraid to help or numb to help. What do you think it is, guys? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, Judge Janine was on Fox News earlier today, and she talked about it's called the bystander effect. Take a listen to how she describes basically people not responding and intervening to save this woman. But what we've got now is a bystander effect. And the Democrats own this. The Democrats own this. You know, the the chaos that's been created that Dan Henniger talked about in the Wall Street Journal is a chaos that we have never seen before. We are now legitimizing the criminal, emboldening the criminal, and denying victims their victimhood, their status, their voice. By releasing these uh, defendants and these suspects without keeping them in jail, what we're saying to them is go right ahead. You can do it again. There will be no consequences. How scary is that, the bystander effect, that people are so scared, crime is so bad, and a lot of people are comparing it to the fact, remember that whole horrible case with Kitty Genovese, who was murdered in Queens in 1964, and that was one of the most horrible, terrible cases ever, where basically she was stabbed and raped outside the apartment building where she lived in Kew Gardens in Queens, and 38 bystanders watched or heard the attack occur, but instead relied on others to call or intervene with the police. That people, for some reason, didn't feel they could intervene. Where have we become that we're at this place? Well, I think a lot of it is, you heard Judge Janine, she said that the Democrats have sort of created this bystander effect. They have allowed some of these thugs to just kind of roam rampant without repercussions. They are scolding often the police officers. 
You know, I mean, you still have these Cory Bushes and these people like this out there, the congresswomen and others who are basically criticizing law enforcement for crossing the line and not saying we have to lock these criminals up. It is also broken windows theory, broken windows where if somebody does a smaller crime, you got to get involved. You got to step in. You can't let it get to a big crime. It's too late at that point. Why would you give somebody 20 chances? Why would you give somebody 10 chances if they're a violent criminal? At what point don't you draw the line? And can't you see the writing on the wall that if somebody gets away with a few things that are worse and worse and worse, you can bet this wasn't the first time that these thugs probably beat up on somebody mercilessly. It's probably not the first time that somebody on the bus saw somebody getting beat up. It's probably not the first time the bus driver saw somebody get beat up. They're sadly probably so used to it that it has become acceptable. We cannot accept crime like this. And that's part of the problem. I think a lot of the Democrats still do not want to face how bad crime is. Some of the new numbers, by the way, that have come out recently are basically saying inflation and crime are basically number one and two. By the way, in New York, crime is basically often number one on the agenda in terms of the issues that voters care about. And that's why I think, in part, if you look at some of the numbers, that's why I think Lee Zeldin is gaining ground clearly, and it's almost neck and neck with him and Kathy Hochul, the governor there, because she is not doing anything on crime, and he is taking the issue of crime head on, saying day one he's going to fire Alvin Bragg, and that this cannot be tolerated. And the average person sees crime everywhere and doesn't like the fact that Democrats are absolutely ignoring it. Take a listen first off. Here is Eric Adams. Remember, just a few days ago, he's like, what crime? What do you mean? There's not really crime. It's just it's just the perception of crime. Take a listen. This is how he first described it a few days ago, and everybody was outraged. We have a safe subway system. Transit police officers, they have done their jobs. What we must do is remove the perception of fear. Cases like this aggravates the perception of fear. Uh, When you see homeless individuals with mental health issues not being attended to and given the proper services, that add to the perception of fear. And so what our battle is in the subway system is fighting the perception of fear. It's only a perception of fear, according to Eric Adams. Well, today they came over to him and said, Mr. Mayor, you know what? It's a lot more than a perception. Crime is up 31 percent. Crime and violent crime is skyrocketing in New York City. It's not just perception. The numbers are horrible. Everybody sees it everywhere. And it's happening in big cities across this country. And listen to who he starts blaming now. It's now it's the perception And it's also the media's fault, too. Not the criminals, not the revolving door of justice, not these soft-on-crime politicians. Oh, no, it's the media's fault. Take a listen. You're saying that the crime problem in this city is more perception than reality? No, it's a combination of both. Uh, New Yorkers must be safe. But, but Mayor, the New York City crime statistics are that year-to-date, Crime in the subways is up 41% over the same period last year, and serious crime, major felonies, are up even more than that. That's not perception. That's reality. If you do an analysis of the six major cities in America, the crime waves is tackling all of our cities 
New York City is the safest. So, yes, we have a real crime problem that we are addressing. But part of that is the perception that every day those six crimes are being highlighted over and over again. Oh, it's just the perception of crime. No, it isn't. It is every single day. And this case in D.C. epitomizes it. By the way, some of the new numbers in D.C., I was just looking at it. On the D.C. metro system, which is, believe it or not, I think some of the numbers are a little better than New York. How sad is that? Aggravated assault has been 25% up. Larceny, 51% up. And robbery is up 77% up, just 7%. Uh, but larceny up 51%. Aggravated assault, almost 26%. That's not just the media blaming it. That's not the media blowing it out of proportion. That's what these Democrats want everybody to believe. That it's the media or it's citizens blowing up out of proportion. It's just, it's just fiction. They just see one or two and they get fixated on it. Guess what? There are so many cases. We can't cover them every single day here on the Rita Cosby show. There are just so many cases of different cities with these horrible violent attacks. And what do they have in common? Democratic leadership that seem to not want to go after the criminal because they feel like, Oh, that's not socially acceptable. Well, guess what? It's time to not think about social justice. It's time to think about criminal justice. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eddie. Line two. Ed, your thoughts about all this? Hi, Reed. Uh, put a piece of duct tape over the mute button because uh, you're my Polish-Danish compadre, Columbus Day sister uh, cousin, and uh, I, can, I can say you said layers and broken glass. Uh, I, I, I see you standing there with Rudy Giuliani on a float in the Columbus Day Parade. And I'm looking at maybe the vice president, president of the United States. You know, Rudy would step down and be the president. But through, through what I've seen in my life from high school, that there were fights every day in the hallways and, and, and in, the, in the classrooms. I just couldn't wait to get to college. And now I see what's happening. And there is a apparent lack of concern in the administration for prosecuting people or protecting the people that are supposed to protect us people. The police aren't protected anymore. And I can see if I'm walking up the block, which I do. I walk to Aldi's or Wally's, Wally's Bagels. And if I see three or four kids, I walk a little bit slower. My father, a Marine, Army Air Corps, first sergeant, I don't want to get in confrontation with them. Because three of the kids might be good. But one, like I saw in high school, might have been abused, abused by their parents. And they can't, they can't react or abuse their parents. But they'll go out in society and kick and, I guess, head stomp or something else. And the other kids will do it with them because they are the stronger kid. And they want to be in there with them to have their, like, you know, they're trying to develop their individuality. Let me ask you, you know, Ed, you hit um, a, a powerful point about parents. Because what I thought was amazing about this woman, Ed, that um, got beaten on the bus in D.C., Afterwards, they said, you know, how angry are you at the kids? And she's a Christian woman. I mean, how amazing is this? She said, you know, I, you know, I, I'm forgiving them, 
but their parents need to be held responsible. She also wants the bus driver to be held responsible. Um, what do you think of the fact that she's pointing the finger at the parents of these teenagers that clearly there's a breakdown in family or clearly the parents obviously didn't do a good job uh, that the kids feel that they can just, you know, at the drop of a hat, start beating up on this woman without mercy. Um, it, are the parents responsible? Is the bus driver responsible, Eddie? Thank you so much for asking me a question. Um, you're, you're a good communication artist. Uh, I taught communications with Dale Carnegie. Um, the parents are responsible. We don't know what happened to that family. Maybe it was abusive. It was an alcoholic family. Um, we don't know if the bus driver was afraid. Um, some people said, yes, I'd go in there. In, in my best day, I would go up and I'd tackle these kids. I don't want to hurt anybody. I've never been a, in a fist fight. I'm a nuclear medicine technologist and public speaker and stuff. Um, you, you really have to go back to the parents and, you know, you, you have to, you know, I, have to, I, I think you have to be, respons- you have to be responsible. You, you have to bring a soul into this world that you love and you coddle and, and you, you bring them up to have morals in society. And I'll listen to you, Joe Piscopo, John Cassimitides. Um, you, you just can't let your kids run free and do what they want. I agree. By the way, I agree at 1000%. And I, I absolutely agree that it's time that parents um, realize the repercussions of their way. And you can't just bring somebody up and just, you know, you know, like you just said, you know, whether it's drugs or they don't care or maybe there was abuse in the home or, you know, they saw, you know, mom and dad having that kind of uh, relationship and they think it's okay to have that relationship on the bus. I mean, whatever it is, I still firmly believe I'm actually still a tough love person. I think first off, obviously, there should be a discussion with the parents. And I also think the kids should be held responsible, too, because I think if you don't hold them responsible, then they're going to feel like they can do it over and over again. And I think I also think the bus driver, there needs to be something happening, whether it's new training or some repercussion and find out. I want to find out, did that button work? It was a male bus driver, by the way, as it turns out. So it's a woman with teenage boys and he did not intervene. Eddie, thank you. We always love hearing from you. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. Would you have intervened? What would you have done? And should the bus driver, should the parents, and should the teens be held accountable? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And by the way, everybody, make sure that you join the Red Apple Audio Network on Wednesday, October 26th, next week, 10 a.m., as we remember the amazing life of a member of the Red Apple Media and 77 WABC family, my buddy, uh, now the late Bernard McGurk. Of course, all of you know him from IMAS, and he was also part, a huge part of Bernie and Sid. Um, the number one morning show in New York on 77 WABC. There will be a special mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral honoring my buddy Bernie McGurk. Uh, all are invited. And if you plan on attending, please email 
at RSVP at WABCRadio.com. Again, that's RSVP at WABCRadio.com for more information. A big mass held at St. Patrick's Cathedral to honor uh, the wonderful Bernie McGurk next Wednesday. And I hope all of you do get a chance, if you're in the area, to please come on by to pay your respects. He was such an extraordinary man, and uh, we all miss him so, so much. We are talking about crime in New York City and across the country, and, of course, this horrible case in Washington, D.C., where a woman is kicked and punched, and the bus driver doesn't do anything, and the other people on the bus don't do anything. The woman basically said, I was yelling at the top of my lungs, stop the bus, let me off, and the bus driver, quote, never stopped. How sad is that? And what a state of affairs that we are in, that the bus driver doesn't stop, the male bus driver and everybody else on the bus did not intervene. Thank goodness she is alive. Who is to blame now? Obviously, the teen thugs throw the book at them. What about the parents? What about the bus driver? What should happen to him? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tino. Line 8. Tino, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. How are you, Rita? Uh, Sorry about Bernie. My condolences. And I love your show. Thank you, Tino. Thank you. You're welcome. Listen, uh, on those buses, I understand people don't want to get involved. They're afraid to get hurt. I would have definitely intervened. But there's an emergency stop button, just like on the trains. They could have broke the glass. It's in the middle of the bus by the back door. The bus would have stopped. The bus didn't drive. They don't even have to stop the bus. They would apply the brakes. That's guaranteed, number one. Number two, they all want to post these uh, videos on TikTok and the, the media, uh, social media. But all those people on the bus, nobody wanted to help that poor woman. These people talk about... <clears throat> Uh, family raising their children but you know you might have good children that are raised but when they go on the street and they start hanging out with these thugs it's just like they turn into them no you're right tino you are absolutely right it's the people they're surrounding with but we have to let them know i don't care how old they are there needs to be some sort of repercussion so they don't think of doing it again their parents clearly need to know The criminal justice needs to be aware of them. And I think we need to give, at minimum, bus driver training or some sort of repercussion to that bus driver. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. are going to talk about the fact that New York City homeless are very upset. They are outraged about the cushy conditions that many migrants are having in the new tent city. There's been a number of interviews of late where they feel really angry that they've got a homeless shelter that's just a few yards away, basically, from this new tent city that Eric Adams has set up. And they say, how come we don't have Xboxes? How come we don't have, you know, fluff and fold laundry? How come we don't have 24-hour snack service? 
These are Americans, legal citizens of America, who are homeless, down and out, and they say the conditions that they are in are disgusting, and they are really outraged that next door is this facility uh, that they say looks like a panacea, looks like a, like a five-star hotel compared to where they are. And for that reason, they are outraged. We're going to talk about that because, to me, we should obviously take care of our citizens first before spending what's going to be a whole bunch of money on people who are illegal citizens who haven't even been vetted yet. So, boy, there's a lot of questions with that. And apparently also one staffer who was caught on sort of hidden audio tape complaining about Mayor Eric Adams saying that he couldn't handle basically the situation, that things are just so out of control. Well, that guy is now no longer with the Adams administration. And we're going to play some of that hidden audio tape that basically shows what they're saying behind the scenes that they don't say in front of the media. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, we are talking about this horrible case of this woman who was beaten. She was kicked. She had uh, bottles thrown at her. They were punching her, and it was a grump of a group of young thugs when a 42-year-old woman on a D.C. metro bus in the middle of the day, broad daylight, it was just Monday of this week, she gets on, and uh, after, you know, basically another child gets on, and there was a young child there, and she didn't really like these kids kind of being unruly and kind of swearing in front of this young kid. It wasn't even her child. So she just said, you know, maybe you guys, could you keep your mouth down, you know, just try to be a little more kind, you know. And then the next thing she knew, they started punching her and beating her. And nobody stopped to help, including the male bus driver. And we were just hearing also from Tino, who called in, and he was saying, yeah, there's an emergency button that could have been used to call 911 that could have stopped the bus that passengers could have used. It's good to know that whenever you get on a bus or a subway card, look for those kind of things. But also the bus driver didn't do anything. He has an emergency switch and apparently did not use it. And so now today... This woman is saying, I'm coming public with what happened to me just this week. Because, first of all, parents need to know they cannot have kids roam around like a bunch of savages beating up on people, which is just horrible. But also, bus drivers and other people need to be held accountable. You can't just drive the bus and pretend like, oh, nothing to see here. Can you imagine the bus driver just keeping on going? That, to me, is unconscionable. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we could, let's go to Pete, line four. Pete, your thoughts about all this, my friend. Hi, Rita. Yeah, I got mixed emotions about it, but let me just give you this part of it. Uh, Some of my relatives are bus drivers, and the guys with the seniorities get their uh, main routes, and that's their route every day, so it's a pattern. But the guys are just starting out. They try to shift the routes around every day so it's not the same route that if something like this happens, they can't come back the next day and know what time it was and come after the driver. So I'm not standing up for the driver because it was a very cowardly act, not even to call for help. But this is the situation. So if it was a guy with a lot of seniority and the route is the same, they're afraid of a retaliation. 
But, yeah, but, 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 but Pete, what do you do? You just sit there and you just keep driving and pretend yeah, like nothing's going on, you know? Call for help, call for help. Like the Tito said, uh, break that thing that stops the bus because the bus gets stopped. They can't drive until the police come. But this is a scary situation. We try not to even take the buses around where I live in Staten Island, which is supposed to be a quiet borough. But around the, the, when they release the kids from school, there's mayhem. I mean, it's very hard to be on the bus. A lot of senior citizens get abused. It's an everyday thing here in Staten Island. I don't know in Washington, but that's my feeling on I'm just trying to explain that these people are afraid. They have families, too. They're not like me. My Kenny, uh, that woman you said, Kenny Genovese, I was nine years old. My mother said, to be my son, and my father said, never turn your back on anybody. Be a warrior. And I've been doing that since I was nine, ten years old. I always got involved trying to help people. Bravo, I'll do it bravo. Bravo. Pete, you are such a good soul. Thank you. I'm so glad you Thank called you. in. Thank you, my friend. And you know, the thing is, people do have to be careful, obviously, because you don't want them to retaliate against you. But there's a way to, like the bus driver could have hit the emergency button. You know, calling the cops right away. Suddenly the cops get there. I bet there are cops all around. It was in D.C., middle of the day. I bet it would probably take one minute for the cops to get there. Or stop the bus and open the door so everybody else can kind of run away. And maybe when the door opens, you know, maybe it, maybe the guys that were standing up fall or do something, you know. I mean, there's certain things you could do to not do anything is outrageous. What about calling on your, you know, on your phone discreetly? Even if you're on the bus, call 911. Do Are we at the point where we need to get, like, an air marshal on every bus? You know, like, you know, on the planes where you have, like, somebody who's a hidden and they're like an air marshal. You don't know who it is. Usually it looks like Harrison Ford, but that's a whole other story. But somebody like that, who are we at a point where we got to get somebody on every single route, like a subway or a bus, um, have somebody who just looks like they're a passenger and it turns out they're actually an undercover officer who suddenly walks over to the kids and says, uh... Put your hands up or else, you know, who knows? Or does that escalate things? I don't know what. But you clearly need somebody who can take the law into your own hands or people are never going to want to ride the bus. I mean, that's what's happening in New York City. Right now, by the way, in New York on the subway, half of the ridership, half of the ridership, and yet crime is up by double digits because people don't want to go on there. It's too scary. It's too dangerous. And there's not enough police. And crime is rampant despite what the mayor has to say. By the way, here is Judge Janine talking about just the broken system of justice that we have that she says is a lot to blame for all of this. They know these dirtbags are getting out. They know that if they can assault the police, they're going to come back and assault you. And until we change the laws, until we make sentences stricter, until we get rid of this notion, this nonsense notion of social justice that no one's defined for a dirtbag who doesn't deserve social justice but criminal justice, we're going to live with this and we're going to lose this country. Bravo to her, because it is time to get tough. And Lee Zeldin, who is definitely now in a neck-and-neck race, before it looked like Governor Kathy Hochul was going to run away with it. Now some of the polls have them just single digits. Some polls now about four percentage points apart. I mean, that is anybody's race. And he is running on law and order. And he says the laws need to change in places like the state of New York or else. We need to ensure that some of the pro-criminal laws that are getting passed up in Albany are rolled back. 
some of these laws I cited, less is more. The Halt Act, cashless bail, some of the discovery law changes, raise the age. There is rising crime on our streets and in our subways. And people who are in charge right now in Albany actually feel like they haven't passed enough pro-criminal laws. So we need to roll back these pro-criminal laws. We need to work with the state legislature to make these changes. And Lee Zeldin, again, who is running for New York governor, says he has a mission if he is elected on the first day. Take a listen. I've announced that the first day that I'm in office, I'll be declaring a crime emergency here in the state of New York. I'll be suspending a number of laws, and I will be encouraging the state legislature to work with me. So is that the solution, that it's time to get tough, that people are scared if they do it once, there could be a severe punishment that they don't get a chance a second time? And are we too soft on juveniles? Because some of these latest cases that we've been hearing about, One of the shootings, remember the one that took place in Raleigh, North Carolina, where the guy killed five people, including an off-duty officer on a nature trail. Turned out it was a 15-year-old kid. And what goes on his record? Is it closed? Is it sealed? Because he's 15 years old, he gets away with killing, you know, five people. And it basically is if he sort of starts fresh, he will obviously have to serve time at a juvenile detention facility. But that's not going to be that tough. Don't you think we need to make sure, no matter what the age, obviously, if it's a two-year-old or a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or whatever happens, I mean, there's circumstances, but it looks like people are growing up awfully quick. And sadly, some of these crimes that have taken place have been like 14-year-old, 13-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old. Guess what? Juvenile, depending on the state, of course. 17-year-old. 15, 14, 13, 12. There was a case of a 12-year-old boy not that long ago. Maybe we need to start throwing the book at them in some shape or form so we change the course and don't give them another pass so they continue down what is just deadly, deadly territory. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Art, line six. Art, your thoughts about this. Go ahead, Art. Uh, Well, the lady, she, she was on her knees, right, when she got hit? Uh, she was sitting first off when it happened, and then they I mean, knocked her over. Rule, that's first rule. That's first rule. Keep your hands up high. Don't let anybody get close to you. If they, they sucker punch you. She should cover her hands over her head. Now, she's down low. She should grab to their groins and rip them out. And if not, you take the knee out. Not you, you put your fingers through her eyes. But you know the problem Wait, is, Art, back? Art, all of that stuff's great, but suddenly you're like, she's sitting on a crowded bus first off. Um, there were other people on the bus, so it's hard to, like, not be around people. Um, and then, second of all, by the time I think, you know, she sort of realized what was going on, there were several of them that were punching and kicking her and throwing bottles, and she was down at that point. But she was sitting, I believe, prior to that. And so all of this happened so quickly that any sort of lesson, I mean, I think all those things on self-defense are obviously good things to know for sure. But if you're in a situation where you're suddenly so outmanned and taken by surprise, that's a hard thing to really get a handle on. That's the only thing that makes it really, really tough. Um, let's go to Tony in Florida. Go ahead, Tony, line three, your thoughts. Go ahead, Tony. Hi, Maria. It's so nice to speak with you. And I wanted to say that this is the culmination, the beginning of the culmination of the actions 
of people, starting with the empty-headed voters to BLM, to DAs, to the politicians. The DAs, uh, there's no doubt in my mind, are being paid off by George Soros, as many are, including BLM, and to turn a blind eye. They're traitors to the country, and they're greedy, and there's so many of them out there. And why do you think it is, why do you think it is, Tony? Why is it that there are these Soros backed and you're correct because he spent about a million bucks on Alvin Bragg in New York. He spent uh, a lot of money on Krasner in Philly, spent a lot of money on the guy who got recalled. Thank goodness in San Fran, um, Gascon in LA. He spent over a million bucks to help him. So you're right. There is a clear pattern here. Why is he doing it? Why is he supporting all of these guys who are the softest on crime in the country? Why do you think that's happened? Because he's an anarchist and he he hates this country. I think, you know, he, he was birthed by the Nazis and his life view was born then. And I'm sure you know that he would turn in Jews for uh, being able to steal their belongings, their their riches. By the way, I, by the way, I do I do remember there was some reporting about that, and he clearly, by the way, um, has been involved with a lot of these different groups. As you're talking about, like I think about in the summer of 2020, you know, some of these people who are protesting and all these other things. It seems to be with a lot of these people who just think that civil unrest. Uh, violent civil unrest is okay and going light on thugs. You know, it's the hug a thug mentality. He seems to be a common thread of supporting those different groups. And, and it is outrageous. I think he has created so much damage to America and to law and order in this country of all the hardworking people in this country, uh, to be backing those kind of people at a time where crime is skyrocketing. I don't think there's any coincidence, Tony, that in those cities, crime is out of control. Because guess what? The criminals feel emboldened. They feel like they rule the roost. And the DAs are just given a good old pass. Going back to Gascon, have it in Gascon's case. Remember, there's that guy, I, uh, we played it before, where it's a guy who's an inmate in the cell. And he's like hoping that Gascon doesn't get recalled. Uh, and he's like, that guy's a hero. I got a tattoo on my face and it says Gascon because we love that guy. You know, there's a problem when gang leaders are praising the DA. I mean, uh, uh, boy, it's like alternate universe, Tony. It is scary stuff. We're going to continue your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. With the land of confusion, because have we gotten to a point where someone is getting beat up on a bus in broad daylight like this woman was in Washington, D.C.? The bus driver didn't help. The other passengers didn't try to help. Have things gotten so just out of control and so confusing that our crime crisis has gotten even more disturbing and people just don't want to intervene? They are scared to intervene or they're afraid if they do what's going to happen to them 
or they're just numb. They see it too often. What is the case, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to to Judy, line six. Judy, your thoughts about all this? Yes. Hi, Rita. Um, I'm a little nervous. I never call radio shows. But anyway, um, in this day and age with the situation the way it is with crime and so forth, uh, I think this woman shouldn't have said anything in the beginning to them, even though she heard them cursing and everything. We're not living in this kind of world anymore where you can do that. And I think by saying something to them, it was kind of uh, somewhat asking for trouble. Um, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say anything. Even if it was one person, they were a little strange, I, I wouldn't say anything. Well, and Judy, so, Judy, privately, I would not have said anything. If somebody was sitting there swearing or whatever, I just would have ignored them. Um, but it still doesn't mean she clearly deserved what happened to her. They should never have laid a hand on her. You know, they should have, you know, if they didn't want to hear it, they should have just ignored her. You know, I mean, uh, she certainly didn't deserve what happened to her. Um, but you're right. It's so scary in this day and age. People are so crazy. And I think that that's part of what happened with other people that were in the bus, um, that they were scared because they saw these guys suddenly explode. Um, at just a simple comment, and maybe they were scared, God, if they intervened, they're going to start punching me too. Um, but how sad is that, Judy? Because talk about a total breakdown of society. If they saw someone on a cell phone trying to get 911, um, it, it could have been really bad for them. So people are very scared. But isn't that sad, Judy? And I, I agree with you that that's the case. But, boy, we're in tough times if people feel that they are so overwhelmed and so scared that we are just living, we're not living in America. We're living in, you know, you know, a uh, cell block H or something like that. If suddenly we're worried about responding to a crime that's happening right in front of us. And it's a male bus driver, too. I mean, here's this woman, you know, here's this, you know, sweet woman, Christian woman begging, calling for God, uh, praying. Thank God she is OK. Um, but she could have lost her life easily. And she certainly did not deserve it, you know, and and the fact that nobody responded and even men on the bus didn't respond um, and a male bus driver didn't call 911. He could have just sort of secretly hit a button. You know, we're not hearing that somebody was holding him hostage or something like that. I mean, you know, if you can't handle it, don't drive a bus. And uh, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody. And we're also going to talk about how New York's homeless are outraged at the cushy conditions at the Adams Tent City. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which we love doing every night, honoring our great veterans and their families, a beautiful story coming from East Orange, New Jersey, where on Wednesday, this town is honoring a 100-year-old World War II veteran by renaming a street after her. The street that Gladys Blount used to live on, North Orenton Parkway and Davis Place, is now named after her. I love that. 77 years ago, Blount was shipped from her hometown of East Orange, New Jersey, to England to help in World War II. She was a member of an exclusive all-female, all-black postal battalion. 
the 855 black women were given the massive task of sorting through millions of letters and packages. The goal was to boost morale for soldiers longing to hear from loved ones back home. They were basically like the Internet, sharing information for people way across the seas, says Blount's grandson, Willie Davis. Well, the determined women worked long, grueling days and averaged 65,000 pieces of mail per shift. Wow. Blount said that she was just happy to help. She said, I didn't think much of it. I just thought it was part of my routine, just doing my part to help our troops. Nearly eight decades later, Blount is getting the praise that she deserved back in 1945. Over the summer, she was awarded the key to the city of East Orange. And in fact, the mayor traveled to her home in Florida to give it to her in person. He called Blount a living legend on whose shoulders we humbly stand. By the way, also this year, Blount's unit received the Congressional Gold Medal, the nation's highest award for distinguished achievements. Bravo to her and all of the other great women who are continuing to boost the morale of our great troops. Well, we are talking about people feeling demoralized where they are not responding to crime. We are seeing that time and time again, and of course, case in point, this horrible case that took place on a D.C. subway where a woman, a 42-year-old woman, complained to these young teens saying, you know, could you please not curse? There's a young kid here, um, not in front of this young kid. If you don't mind, could you please not curse? And the next thing she knows, they started beating her, punching her, knocking her to the ground, throwing a bottle at her and kicking her. She is lucky to be alive because the bus driver did nothing and nobody else on the bus, she says, did anything either. And now she says... The parents should be responsible and the bus driver. I say the teens do too. 1-800-848-9222. How do we fix this broken system? And is crime so out of hand in so many American cities? And in fact, this case we're talking about in the nation's capital, that people just don't care and just don't want to get involved. Are people that crazy when you walk down the street? There definitely are a lot of nuts. You see it in their eyes. They're high on who knows what. But are we just going to turn a blind eye when some innocent woman just gets beaten, you know, mercilessly by these people kicked and punched and just allow it to happen? Is that where we are in society and what has caused us to get to this point? I think a lot of it is they feel emboldened and they need to have the book thrown at them at an early age. The minute they do anything, there needs to be repercussions so they don't do it again. 1-800-848-922. Uh, let's go to John in Pennsylvania, line eight. Your thoughts, John? Yeah, I think they ought to bring the draft back. 18 years old, go for two years. That's a great point, John, because the draft and, you know, giving back to your country, you appreciate your country, you appreciate teamwork, you appreciate hard work, uh, you appreciate the values of this country, um, you have respect. Because blame me, if they don't show respect, the uh, sergeant major, it's like, uh, forget that. The gunny sergeant is like, uh, get the heck out of here. You know, can you imagine? They don't tolerate that for one second. Uh, you get somebody who's like uh, Jack Nicholson, you know, who's like uh, the uh, the commander of the unit. He would put these kids in shape. Great point. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Brian in Denver on line seven. Brian, your thoughts? Well, I... Uh... I have a lot, um, but uh, 
you raised a question about where do we go from here? How can we improve the situation? And what we're seeing, I think, is very similar to what we're seeing in uh, politics generally, where there are two sides, and you're on one side, and frankly, I wonder what drugs you're taking that make you so uh, delusional and militant in supporting law enforcement regardless of circumstances. And I feel the same way about those who uh, support defunding and other idiotic and dangerous ideas like that that hurt innocent people. And let and me I hang on one second, we, Brian. I got I got to check what you just said. Did you say that uh, supporting law enforcement, like there's something wrong with that? Is that what you were just saying? A- a- absolutely. And, and, I'm, and, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, if please tell me why, because I'm troubled by that. But go ahead. If we played a uh, a uh, TV uh, game show, and there were 20 examples of something that was done uh, cruelly uh, to some people by other people. And the question was, American law enforcement or ISIS? And I asked you 20 of those questions. I'll bet you would get 20 wrong. When there are women mothers who have committed no crimes, who are locked in dog cages and drowned, in North Carolina. And hey, there are Brian, some- Brian, I don't know what you're smoking, but you got some good stuff because I'm telling you, um, I don't know what you're watching. Uh, you need to start watching reality because um, are there, you know, officers who maybe cross the line or cases? Yeah. I mean, I looked at the, what happened with George Floyd. I didn't like when I saw Derek Chauvin with his knee on the guy. Clearly shouldn't have had his knee on the neck. I mean, to me, that was obvious. But 99.9999999% of law enforcement are incredible people and are there to protect us and are doing a great job. And if you can't figure out between uh, law enforcement and ISIS, uh, you got a lot more problems than calling a radio show. Good luck, though, Brian. Thanks very much. Wow. Let's go to Deirdre. Deirdre, please give me some common sense. Go ahead, Deirdre. Hey, Rita, I, I was wondering about this whole thing. I, I agree with you. Uh, parents, the children, and that bus driver should be held responsible. Um, but I was also wondering, how come there's no um, – I know in the 80s here in New Jersey, they used to be able to flash across the bus, um, emergency, please call 911, yet they were still driving. Right. And that's what apparently in these buses in D.C., we haven't heard like if it was maybe malfunctioning, because I'm sure there's a lot of malfunctioning parts of buses in D.C. like there are in New York City and L.A. and everywhere else. Um, but there's apparently some like button you can hit that alerts law enforcement and you can keep riding. But it's like here's an emergency button, like, you know, if somebody robs a bank, the teller can kind of hit this emergency button and the robber may never even know that they hit the button. Same thing on a bus. Um, and the question is, did he not want to hit it? Um, was he not aware? Was it not working? Uh, was the person standing over him? We haven't heard that. Um, threatening him. We haven't heard any of that. Um, so far, it just sounds like he just turned a blind eye or maybe the device didn't work. Maybe he kept trying to hit it and it wasn't. Who knows, you know, what's, what's going on? But you're right. There are ways to do it that don't look bring you into the issue. But how can you how can you as a as a male bus driver Keep driving when a woman is getting her butt kicked by a bunch of teens that are, like, pounding on her. I, I just don't – I find it unconscionable, Deirdre. He should be held totally responsible. I, I wouldn't even let him keep his job. 
Yeah, I agree. He should be fired tomorrow. I'm with you 1,000%. Thank you, Deirdre. I agree. Let's go to Eric. Eric, your thoughts real quick on line one. Eric? Uh, hey, Rita. Um, it's Florida. It's, it's not as bad as you think. We're not at that point. This is a city that started in Death Wish, okay? And remember, like, if, if, well, if, some, if some good Samaritan intervenes to either save someone's life or minor or major, there's a good chance you may not even hear about it because it's nipped in the bud or it's kicked in the bud. You know what I mean? So, plus, these a lot. This stuff is a lot like self-defense shootings. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear about people uniting and you know fighting the good fight. They want to divide people. How know? sad is that? So How sad? We're at a sad place, though. If we allow that to happen, Eric, we're in no, a no. really, really sad place. If we allow that, uh, let's go to Mark. Line two. Mark, your thoughts. Go ahead, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I want to make a few points. First of all. I don't sympathize, uh, sympathize with this bus driver for not uh, stopping because he was afraid. Imagine, he should imagine that he was the one being attacked. He would figure out how to stop the bus. Yeah, or what, by the way, what if it was his wife? Would he keep driving then too, you know? Exactly, exactly. That, you're proving my point. Um, number two, I think it's about time that all our buses and subways have cameras. We're living in 2022. Cameras can be installed in every subway car. In every city bus, three cameras in all directions just for safety. We talk about safety on our subways. This is the simplest thing. I don't know why we don't have cameras on our subways. Yeah, Another point I want to I agree. To, yeah. Yep. Go ahead, Mark. And then another point, they're talking about the Good Samaritans. I think there should be some sort of system of rewarding Good Samaritans to, to um, cause people to be Good Samaritans. Otherwise, people say, why should I mix in? If we have some sort of reward system, honoring system, just like the police go around and give tickets if you take a red light, the police should go around and giving these like reward tickets if they see someone being a good Samaritan in any case in action, in any scenario. That's a great point, Mark. I love that idea because then it incentivizes people to step in. Uh, maybe they get honored or they get some, you know, a vacation somewhere or do something. Um, I agree. And if that will help kind of curb this crisis, um, then I think we should do it because I think those are courageous and, and just great people. What a great idea, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Andrea in Miami, line seven. Andrea, your thoughts. I would have kicked their ass. <laughs> by the way, by the way, based on your voice, I, I think they would have. <laughs> I'm 60 years old. I'm not afraid of a child. Okay. How dare anybody beat up anybody? It's wrong. It's just completely wrong. I agree. And you know what? Maybe Death Wish. Remember Charles Bronson's movie? Yeah. Death Wish? Yeah, he's uh, he's okay. great. Yeah. Maybe you know what? Or, or uh, Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry. Make my day, Absolutely. right? <laughs> no, it's it, enough's enough, okay? There's more good people than bad. Thank you, because you've restored my faith in humankind tonight, Andrea. Thank you. I love you. I'm going to hire you as my bodyguard, though, right? <laughs> Make my day. There it is, Andrea. There he is. Good old Clint. You can never go wrong with Clint. Andrea, thank you very, very much. And everybody, one of the other stories, too, and I want to get your take on this tonight before I leave you tonight uh, for tonight's show. This is stunning that now homeless individuals who are living right next door to Eric Adams, 10 City, guess what? They are furious with the mayor. They are staying at the Help Meyer shelter. 
which is located on Randall's Island where the new Migrant 10 City is. It's a high rise. It's about 350 yards away and very visible from the new 10 City where the migrants, the illegal migrants are staying. And guess what? They are furious. They said the building that they are in is disgusting. It has excrements, they say, on the floor. The food is disgusting. There's flies. It's a raggedy old bed and a hard mattress. Um, one guy who is an aspiring actor who said just because of the economy and the situation that he is now homeless. And he was doing an interview with the New York Post. He couldn't believe he's looking over and seeing what looks like a mirage next door and seeing the migrant cities with plush couches, Xboxes, 24-hour snacks, foos, tables, ping-pongs. I mean, give me a break. This, to me, is outrageous, and they are furious that the city is not spending money on them, American legal citizens, and instead the city is spending money on illegal migrants. This comes, by the way, as some new hidden audio has come out of a guy, his name is Christopher Baugh, according to reports, uh, he's a member or was a member of Eric Adams' advance team. And he gave a brutal critique of his boss in an undercover video uh, that was taken by a group called Project Veritas. It's a right-wing group. Uh, they go around and they've like gotten, you know, undercover videos and audios of different situations. And this is what this guy had to say about Eric Adams handling the migrant crisis. One of his, at the time, staffers. Take a listen. I think what Abbott was doing has like proven effective. Like it's flooded our systems. I think the optics of this are bad for Biden and they're bad for the mayor. And I don't know that Eric Adams is like capable enough to navigate it. Wow. I don't know if he's capable enough to navigate it. And you worked for the guy at the time. I'd say that is one big no-no. And here's a little bit more of the guy on Hidden Audio. Take a listen. The city is broke, uh, which makes me very nervous as someone who is paid by the city. Uh, we're anticipating like a $10 billion budget deficit by 2026 right now. There was free money from the government for the last two years because of COVID. Yeah. All of that's gone. And then our revenues just aren't in a place to support $10 billion budget. Like, that's the annual city budget right now. The city's broke. Why are we doing this? But we need to do it. And Eric Adams, a guy who works for him, says he's not capable to handle the migrant crisis. Here's a little bit more of the city official on Hidden Audio. Can you just raise the taxes? The mayor doesn't want to. I mean, that is an option. Or we could, like, reduce services. Uh, what do you mean? Like, just not give people enough stuff. Like what? Uh, I don't know. Pick something. Department for the Aging, immigrants. Like, we're housing immigrants right now from Texas. It would be very easy to be like, nope, not anymore. How much money are we spending on that? Wow. So guess what happened? He's no longer there. Uh, the report says that he was suddenly kind of just let go, obviously, for talking about his boss, needless to say. But it reveals Just what a crisis and a mess the migrant situation is for New York and so many cities. And now there are homeless Americans who are literally living in what they say is a decrepit, run-down homeless shelter that's 350 yards away from the new Eric Adams tent city. And they say it is shameful because they are living in basically third-world conditions And yet they are seeing what looks like beautiful conditions next door with snacks and foosball and 
plush couches and TVs and Xboxes, and they're wondering why hasn't the city given that to American citizens that are homeless down on their luck? Instead, they're giving them to illegal migrants that are coming. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil, line five. Phil, your thoughts about all this. Yeah, Rita, quite, quite frankly, I, I'm, 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 nause, I'm nauseated by this whole thing. These illegals are illegal. They came here in violation of federal statute, federal law. They purposely, they purposely destroy cities. They have no income. They have no standing. They have no relatives here, half of them. They just want, they want, and they want. And, and the mistake of Texas and the governor of sending these people here, it was a big mistake. We've got, I understand Texas is overrun with them, but why don't they just get, get the National Guard and stop them from coming in? Why do they have to send them to New York? But you know why. You know the reason. It's because this administration, and and Phil, I 1,000% agree with you. They should just stay on the other side of the border. Trump had it right with Remain in Mexico. And yet this administration has just had this incredibly open-door policy. Don't check the migrants. Come on in. They refuse to close the border. And so they got to put them somewhere because no city can handle suddenly Literally thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands, and ultimately at the end of Biden's second year, four plus million illegal migrants in our country. That's a stunning number. And they got to physically put it somewhere if they're not going to do the right thing and turn them back. Uh, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. City's homeless outrage and complaining about the conditions, the squalor that they're in. And they see next door, 350 yards away, the new tent city that looks like it's Hollywood compared to hell next door. And they say, why are American citizens not getting the best first? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in New Hampshire. Pete, your thoughts. Yeah, well, it all goes back to one one basic thing. I've told you many, many times on your show, Rita, it's all about uh, leaders, leadership, number one in this country, uh, through governance. And the other thing is the uh, the justice system is broken in this country. They broke the spine out. They took the spine away from the justice system. The other thing, Rita, is the cabal is running this whole show, and what they're doing is – the fentanyl pouring in on these immigrants, these immigrants are going to replace the population of this country over time. It's going to start drip, drip, drip right now, and it's going to expand. If you bring in all the fentanyl and you kill Americans, now we bring these people in. We don't know where they came from. Well, we got a rough idea where they came from. Will they ever assimilate into our society? Well, the government doesn't really give a damn about that because that's going to be their voice, the voters. Uh, voters in the system, and it's going to end up being a one-party system, Rita. Come on. Well, that's what, by the way, that's what I agree, I think, is, I, I mean, there's. I almost can't think of what. what's the other reason, because they kind of keep saying, oh, no problem at the border. They don't want us to see what's happening, don't want to talk about it, and yet at the same time, to your point, they have talked about granting like a blanket asylum for everybody suddenly. Um, and who's to say that, you know, if they get voted in, 
uh, continue to stay in after November? Who knows? Maybe they try to pass something like that. Like everybody who's coming in the last two or three years, guess what? You're going to be on a fast track. Um, and you have to wonder, what is this all about? And just like you said, they cannot vet them because they haven't tried in many cases. And in other cases, they can't because it's foreign countries. What are they going to like uh, check in Afghanistan to see what kind of record that person has or Venezuela? I mean, it's just too difficult. And boy, is that a mess for this country. I mean, that's not the way uh, I you know, we are a melting pot, but that's not the intention of this great country. And we got to be safe and secure first and foremost. And we can't forget our great Americans who are homeless. Um, Norm, uh, let's go to you real quick. Line four. Norm, your thoughts real quick, my friend. Sorry, I don't mean to be heartless, but I, I am lacking in sympathy for both of those groups scuffling over the tent. The people in the shelter should get off of the booze and dope, and maybe they wouldn't be in the shelter. And the people in the tent should be returned to their countries of origin. End of story. Wow, you solved it all there, Norm. Wow, 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 wow. Norm for mayor. Wow, but we got to help our citizens, especially in this time where economy is tough. At least try to make it the best we can possible, especially those who are working hard and trying to turn things around. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.